0: We're just going to go ahead and read the whole chapter because uh, I'm going to be kind of referring to several things, but uh, it's only 18 verses, so don't panic. It won't take forever. Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it, in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribe stood on a platform of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him in his right hand stood Manny, Mo, and Jack, all these guys I'm not going to read them all. Anyway, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people For he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. Then all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then Manny, Mo, and Jack, and all the Levites helped the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our God. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. Now, on the second day... The heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law which the Lord had commanded Moses that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountain and bring olive branches and branches of oil trees and myrtle branches and palm branches branches of leafy trees to make booths as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or in the courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so. And there was a very great gladness. And also, by day, from the first day until the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days. On the eighth day, there was a sacred sacred assembly according to the prescribed manner. So, I'm going to make a couple of quick points. First of all, we need to receive the word. And we need to respond to the word. You receive the word, and you respond to the word. And that's what these guys did. So when Nehemiah and Ezra gathered them all together, they read the Word to them. And I think what was going on was that they really hadn't been exposed to the Word of God in a number of years. And so when it was read to them, they heard things that they weren't really familiar with. And when they heard them, it was like, oh, wow, we've been been sinning, we've been messing up. All these things we've done wrong. And they felt bad and so they began to cry and weep and that's that's where you know they were saying don't don't do that you know this is a this is a good day this is a but that's our natural response when we realize that we've done wrong if you're a normal human being now there are some narcissistic people that do not feel bad when they do wrong they feel like they can do anything they want it's okay but normal people who are responding to the lord and his conviction, you will respond with repentance under restoration. So it says they read, in verse 8, they read distinctly from the book and the law of God, and they helped give the sense, and they helped them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites taught the people, and they said, this day is holy. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. So when you hear what God is saying, and you realize that you're not measuring up, your immediate response usually is like, "Ooh, you know, I'm, I got problems. And so your heart is repentant. And when you repent, that basically means you're walking along like this, and then you stop, you turn around, and you go the other way. That's what repentance is, it's to turn. So you realize you've been wrong, your heart is uh, convicting you, the Holy Spirit's convicting you, and you say, okay, I gotta change. I turn from that. Now, the problem is that we don't always see God the way that we ought to. We see him as a judge or someone who is going to punish us instead of seeing him as a God who loves us and wants the very best for us. And that's what these guys did. That day when they began to hear about their shortcomings and failures, their immediate response was, woo! You know, they begin to weep and wail and cry because they realized they were wrong and they just felt bad. That's not what repentance is all about. Repentance is turning so that you turn away from the wrong to God in the right way. And when you do that, God restores your heart. If you understand who God is, instead of focusing on your failures and your problems, you begin to focus on who God is and what he says about you. And he says, I am your Redeemer. So the people wept and mourned until they understood what the words were that were being spoken over them. They understood this is God saying, I have a plan for you. You've not been following my plan. So I want you to turn from the way you've been going. Get on board with what I'm saying about you. And it's going to be good for you. Your life is going to be changed. You're going to be restored. You're not going to be lost. You're not going to be in bondage. You're going to be alive. You're going to be free. That's where you get joy from. You begin to think about that part. If you think about the bondage, you're just going to be feeling in bondage, and you're going to be sad. You're going to be whining and crying. And, oh, my well, life It's always like this. Wow. How about we think about what God's done? If you think about that, you start having some joy about it. Because you see beyond the immediate circumstances. That's what the Lord wants us to do. In Acts 2, Peter jumped up and started preaching. He said, when they heard this, the people who were preaching, it said, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So they were feeling their repentance. I mean, they knew that they had been wrong. It's like, wow, what do we do? What do we do? We're wrong. What do we do? Peter says, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. Now they could have just said, What do we do? What do we do? And then turned around and went home, and they'd have gone away just like the way they were when they came but they listened and responded because they understood there's, you don't have to stay like that. That's the good news, is that you don't have to stay like that. That's why we have joy in the Lord, because there is a hope that we're not going to be the same old rotten slob that you've always been. Excuse me, that I've always been. I know y'all weren't rotten slobs. But God wants to change us. He wants to change us. And when we understand that, we recognize that, we begin to focus on what God says about us, that's where we get joy from. Because we're not focused on all of our problems and all the messed up stuff and all the failures and all the things that are wrong. We're focused on what God says. And what God says is, I love you so much that I gave everything for you. Man, if you can't get a little joy over that, your joy meter is broken or something. Acts 3.19, Peter again, he's saying, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Hey, when you're When you're feeling conviction because you realize you've you've not been doing something that you should be, that's normal and natural to be be feeling bad about it for a minute. And then you repent, and you ask the Lord to, to forgive you and cleanse you, and these times of refreshing come. That's when you start saying, I've got the joy of the Lord because I know everything has changed. Everything is different now. I'm not lost. I'm not bound. I'm redeemed. That's where you get joy when you begin to understand what God says about you. Respond with understanding and the joy. Go your way, he says. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you begin to understand that, understand what God is really saying, who God really is, then you're going you're to have the joy of the Lord in your life. In Psalms 30... It says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. You have not let let my foes rejoice over me, O Lord, my God. I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment; his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. You understand there are some times that things are not going all that well. And we look around and we see those things and we say, oh, man, this is not okay. But you've got to understand this is just temporary. All of this is temporary. We have an eternal reward that's waiting for us. And this, this life right now is not to be compared with the eternal reward. And so if you've got some problems now, just look past that. Begin to look at what God says about eternity. Begin to look at what God says about you. Right now, maybe you've got a little sorrow. Maybe you've got some darkness. But joy comes in the morning. It's not going to be like that forever. Get your eyes off of the, the temporal and begin to think about the eternal. That will cause you to have some joy. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is what Jesus read when he was starting his ministry. Because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison of those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to comfort all who mourn, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who are in Zion, mourning, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Hallelujah. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand at your if, and feed your flocks, the sons of foreigners will be your ploughmen and your vine dressers, and you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they'll call you the servants of our God, and you'll eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion, therefore, in their land they shall possess double and everlasting joy shall be theirs. Part of that is what we're talking about in Ezra and Nehemiah. Part of that is that God is rebuilding and restoring all the stuff that was messed up. And for generations, they hadn't known anything about God's Word. They didn't know anything about how worshiping God because they'd been in a foreign land as captives. They couldn't do the things that they were supposed to do as, uh, as Hebrews because they were living under another king's rule. But now God was restoring all that. He was rebuilding everything. The city was being rebuilt. The walls were being rebuilt. The the temple was rebuilt so they could restore worship. All that was changing. And what he's saying is, I'm going to take away all your mourning. I'm going to take away all the, the burned up stuff and the wasted stuff, and I'm going to restore it, and I'm going to restore joy to you because I'm going to give you a double portion. That's pretty good. He didn't just say, I'm going to give you something. He said, I'm going to give you a double portion. How many want to sign up for the double portion? Amen? Amen. So, you know, we offer offer way too little and we accept way too little. You know, God God wants our best and, and we give him a partial. And God wants to put a double portion on us and we say, oh, just a little bit will be okay. You know, it's kind of going through the buffet line. And, you know, they are giving you a little serving. Oh, give me this little more. Yeah. Well, you know, how about the double portion? How I about mean, we just say, go ahead, just, just gob it on there. Gob it on there. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Dump it on there. And you may not be able to eat it all. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000 the 4,000, they didn't eat it all. But it was okay to have a little surplus, wasn't it? Just gob it on there. Let God just pour it on. Give you the double portion. Maybe you don't need it all. Maybe you can't figure out how you're going to use it all. But let God worry about that. Amen? Amen. It's okay to have a surplus. You got to rest in the word. Go your way and enjoy God's favor. So it says in verse 12, all the people went their way to eat and drink. In other words, they were just going on about their business. They weren't going to stay all mopey and sorrowing and and mourning and whining and crying. They went on their way. They were going to go on about their business because they realized, hey, God's got a good plan for me. God's going to change things in my life. I have a new hope. I have joy now because I see who God is. I see what his word says about me and about my life, and I'm not gonna live in that old messed up way of thinking anymore. Go your way. Enjoy the good stuff. Everyday stuff can be great if you have the right attitude. You got the wrong attitude, even wonderful stuff can be not so great. You know somebody that they get something really good, and instead of going, woohoo, they're like, well, it could have been this. I really was hoping for, you know. they always got some excuse. People always want something different. I think there was a song about that, you know. There was a guy with a rubber neck in a brand-new Corvette or something and wrecked the car. You know, there's always something on the other side of the road. The grass is greener, right? Well, in God's kingdom and in God's economy, the grass is always greener where he is. And he's in your heart. Where the king is. That's where where the good stuff is. Amen? Amen? The kingdom of God has come near because the king is near. It's exciting to have a relationship with the Lord and to know that he wants to change things in our lives. In Matthew, Jesus told the centurion, he said, Go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. In Luke 17, Jesus said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Altogether, there's nine places where Jesus said that exact same thing. Go your way. It's okay to go your way. When God is speaking to you and God is telling you, I'm blessing you, I'm changing things in your life, just go your way and enjoy it. Live life. Live it to the fullest. It's not a crummy life. It's not a partial. It's a double portion life. Go your way and enjoy it. But you've got to share it freely. That's the other part of what Nehemiah said to him that day. He said, you know, go your way, eat and drink, but he said also, send portions to those people that don't have anything prepared. In other words, the poor and the needy, the people that don't have maybe as much as you have. Be generous. Freely we have received, we should freely give. We've got these great opportunities coming up for us. Uh, We're finding out there's things in our community where we can be connected with uh, helping distribute food to the needy. And uh, we're going to find more and more ways to get connected. We've been doing stuff with children for multiple years now uh, at the elementary school. Now we're, we're going to a community. Those are opportunities to speak into people's lives and to give and to do things in people's lives that can make a difference. That's part of where we get joy is by doing the very simple, basic things that God expects us to do. Freely, we have received, we should freely give. Jesus said, give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. He also said, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you ever see, freely give. And then he, he gives this, this great story, and he's talking about when the Son of Man comes, and all the holy angels with him. He's going to sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he'll separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he put the sheep on his right hand, and the on the left hand, sheep and goats, sheep are and goats are. Bah. I know these things because I have sheep and goats, and I know about goats. Believe me, yeah. that's why they're on the left hand. The king lost sight to those on his right hand, "Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me, I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him, saying Lord." When did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you drink? Or or when did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you as sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of these, of the least of these of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food, I was thirsty and you gave me no drink, I was a stranger and you didn't take me in naked and you didn't clothe me, and I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me, and They'll say, but Lord, when did we see you like that? And he'll say, surely as you did not do it unto one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying God wants us to, He wants us to look at people with His eyes. He wants us to see people the way He does. And I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of conviction from the Lord these days because, you know, we, we see people all the time and our tendency is just to look at them and just say, oh, there's a loser or there's a, there's a person that's got problems, you know. They've messed their lives up. They've made a bunch of dumb choices. Look at them, you know. Well, God loves them so much that He gave everything for those losers. Oh, and by the way, I was a loser. I'm glad God looked at me and didn't say, You're a loser, I'm not going to invest anything in you. I'm not going to trust that you're going to do the right thing. I'm not going to I'm not going to give anything of significance to you because you probably just wasted. How about we just look at people and say, that's a person that God loves so much. That he gave everything. Uh, Mitz, I'm sorry, I already stole your stole your thunder this week. I told him Wednesday night about you and that guy you met up there in Kansas. But uh, but you know, Mitz Mitz met a guy. He was one of those people that didn't look like they had much going on for him, and yet Mitz loved him, and was able to minister life to him because he looked beyond the outward stuff, and he just he took a little time, invested a little love in the guy, and the guy responded to the gospel. You know we have that opportunity every day in some way, maybe it's a small way. Maybe we don't always have a chance to to lead someone to the Lord, but we do have a chance to love people and to be kind and generous. doesn't cost much just to say thank you or you know hope you have a good day, open a door for someone, hold a door, help someone you know there's all kinds of things you can do there's little things but just Allow your light to shine a little bit. Strength comes from the joy and knowing. So when these guys, they made these booths out of tree leaves, you know, branches of trees, that was all their way of saying, look, we're going we're gonna to remember what God did when he delivered us from Egypt and we were traveling to the promised land all along the way, we were strangers. We were, we were without a permanent home, but we were walking in the joy of the Lord because he had set us free. We knew where we were going. We had God's plan, and we were experiencing God's rest. All along the journey, they were experiencing God's rest. And so they'd get into these booths every year. They'd make these little temporary shelters to remind themselves just like they reminded themselves about the, the Passover. They did that to remind themselves of what God did. And so we have an opportunity to remember all the time what God says about us. And your choice is either remember that or forget it. If you forget it, you're going to walk around discouraged and depressed and frustrated and, and thinking life's not all that great. But if you remember what God says... Then your life is going to be different. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, It is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For those who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but in you life. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things, are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound in the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are eternal. That's what we need to keep focused on is the eternal things. Worship team, y'all can come back up. I'm just about to wrap it up. That's always good news, isn't it? That's the good news of the gospel right there. He's just about to shut up so we can get out of here. Now, I don't worry about that. Y'all don't either, I know. You want to hear what God wants to say to you. Romans 8, Paul says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's where, the, that's where the joy of the Lord comes in. When you begin to look beyond the stuff that you see with your eyes, and you begin to look beyond the stuff that you experience every day, and you begin to see that God has something way beyond all that. It's way more meaningful. That's what gives you the strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That strength comes in knowing who God is and what God says about you and what God is doing in your life and what he is going to do. And we know that he has a plan for us, and it's a good plan. We are heirs of God. We cry out, Abba, Father. That's like, that's like Daddy the opportunity to speak to God and say, Lord, you have adopted me. And I've, I read this week in, in uh, Genesis about Jacob and um, Joseph and at the end of Israel's life, Jacob Israel, at the end of his life, Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and, he, and Joseph said, you know, bless them. And so Jacob did the old switcheroo. He crossed his hand you know the right hand was the was the hand of blessing the double portion hand the gobadon hand give me double and he said I'm giving it to the younger instead of the elder and Joseph he's like no father that's not right he said I'm sorry this is the way it's got to be and what what Israel said to him was Ephraim and Manasseh are mine I claim them. They are mine. They're not my grandsons. They're my sons. That's what, that's what God is saying to us. He says, you're, you're not stepchildren. You are mine. And all the forces of nature, all the normal natural things that we think of and we deal with in our minds, God says, you know, I'm just kind of putting all that aside and I'm overriding all that and I'm saying, you are mine. And not only that, but I'm going to treat you like you're the firstborn. I'm going to give you the double portion. I'm going to give you the double gabadon portion so you're going to have excess everywhere you go. That's who we ought to expect ourselves to be, and that's who we ought to expect God to be in relation to us. Not, you know, some, I'm a beggar, you know, give me a, give me a portion. How about we go to God and say... Here I am. I'm your child. I want, I want the child of the king portion. I want the yeah. double portion. I want the good stuff. Amen? Amen? So, Lord, we want everything that you say we should have. I don't want to accept any less than your very best. Sometimes we're tempted to just grab a hold of the first thing and take whatever comes, but, Lord, help us to, to hold out. For the very best. Like Jacob wrestled all night and said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. We're not going to let go, Lord. We're going to continue to contend for the, your very best in our lives. We want the double portion, Lord. We're going to rest in your word because your word tells us who you are and who we are in you. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship.
1: Then to the
0: How about you taste and see in a double portion instead of a, instead of a half portion? How about a double portion? Amen? Amen. Amen. If you have any needs this morning, you'd like special prayer, you know, just feel free to come down. Someone meets you at the altar. We're going to sing another song and worship a little more. We're not trying to rush you off. If you need to go, you can go, but uh, we just encourage you. Hear from the Lord. Receive what you need this morning and uh, enjoy one another. Amen? Amen? Let's enjoy one another. Jesus. Amen. Well, that's what I'm excited about because we don't have to wait until we get to heaven for him to make all Amen. things new. He's making us new right now. Hallelujah. Every day is a new day, and every day is an opportunity for him to make something new in my life. Hallelujah. <coughs> and yesterday has gone, but tomorrow is still out there. Hallelujah. There's always tomorrow, and tomorrow is a new day, and his mercies never cease. They are fresh and new every morning. So, Lord God, we thank you for that, Lord. Pour out your Spirit on us and give us a great week, Lord. We want to go out as lights into this dark world. Touch this nation, Lord. Change us. Let it begin with us as your people. Let us begin to humble ourselves, turn from our ways, seek your face so that you can forgive us and heal this land. Thank you, Lord God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Go and be blessed, have a great week, fellowship, and enjoy one another, and I'll see you whenever. (laughs)